Welcome to Crossway Church Sermons Podcast. Make sure to visit our website, www.crosswayaz.com. Subscribe to our weekly podcast in iTunes, Google Podcast, Spotify, and the podcast app. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Crossway Church AZ and share this podcast link with a friend. If you live in the Phoenix area, come visit us at 3464 West Earl Drive, Phoenix, Arizona, 85017, located in Suite E. Service times are at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings and prayer services at 7 p.m. on Wednesdays. Now, let's dive right in. I just want to thank you guys for joining us here. Um, Michael, thank you always helping us out. We're just going to go ahead and open up in, in uh, prayer as we get ready. Um, Father God, we come before you right now in the mighty name of Jesus. God, I thank you, God, for your word. I thank you for your people. God, I ask you right now, God, that the words that are spoken tonight, God, are spoken to your people. God, whatever the word that you have is, God, let it be a miracle communication. God, spoken to your people that they might receive it, God that there might be change in their heart, that they might grow and go back to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, uh, we are on the f- final part of chapter 3. Uh, it's, we're going to get into the, the, the church of uh, Laodice- Laodicea, or Laodicea, however you want to pronounce it, tomato, tomato. Um, it is, is the final part before we actually start getting into uh, more heavy scripture of Revelations. So, um, we're going to go ahead and, let me go ahead and get that on the screen in just a minute. But, I mean, how do I put it? it, it it's, it's, it's almost like the same as the last chapter. If, if it's kind of heavy. So, just wanted to get you guys prepared for that. It's, it's, it's going to be good. It's going to be awesome. So, here we go. Oops. Write the following to the messenger of the congregation of Laodicea. For these are the words of the, of the Amen. I like how it says that, of the Amen. Um, the faithful and the true witnesses, the, the ruler of God's uh, creation. I know all that you do, and I know that you, are ne- uh, that, that you are neither frozen in apathy nor... So I'm already getting into it. For you, I'm getting rich. You are that you are miserable, poor, you gold, that you can be really rich. Purchase the water and clothes for uh, Adam nakedness. Purchase eyes uh, to be placed over eyes so that you can choose to see. I mean, it's already it's already jumped into it. And and if you didn't, for those of you who don't know, um, the uh, DC actually means uh, justice of the people, and they're actually like a really really rich city. They're a really wealthy city. So, um, I mean, there's a lot going on here. A, lot, a textile kind of city. 
uh, there were just one was saying that you're which says uh, you claim I am rich and getting richer I don't need a thing is because they were uh, they're already a very rich scene. so uh, it, it, it was you know it, they they did a lot of different things they did uh, they did a lot of popular things in the eyes of the people they were very well known to say okay I'm doing this I'm doing that and they had I guess you can say they, they were doing a lot of programs kind of like how some churches kind of kind of do um, but uh, it says uh, I was reading this the city manufacturer I was writing the, the history then the city manufactured an extremely popular eye salve called uh, colirium colirium and the city's water supply came from the city of Hierapolis, an ancient city of Greek arrested a hot, uh, that rested on a hot spring. Coincidentally or not, the water arrived in Laodicea neither hot nor cold, but lukewarm. So it kind of is kind of um, matching mm-hmm. over to, to what, what the city is. It's basically saying you're, you're neither hot nor cold. It's, it's, it's almost like a physical representation of what this, the church is. Um, I want to go back real quick to the beginning uh, not the, uh, says I know that you do and I know that you are neither frozen in apathy nor your fervent passion there are a lot that's speaking to a lot of churches it, it really is because there's a lot of churches that are neither frozen or in apathy meaning they're not a dead church but they're not a church that's on fire they're not mm-hmm. a church that's stopping everything but they're not a church that's really doing anything and God's giving his, his warning because you are neither cold nor hot, but lukewarm. I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. I don't know about you, but you can either have coffee uh, one or two ways. Um, coffee, you can either have it hot or you can have it cold. But you really, really can't have it both. You can't have it like middle because it tastes so disgusting. Um, so... I mean, it's it's in a, it's it's in a sense the same concept. You know, what I mean, um, with God, you're either on fire, you're either hot and actually serving a purpose, or be cold and just go away. But you're neither one. Don't you can't be playing both sides. I mean, am I right, Michael? Right. So, uh, I, I don't know if you got something to touch in on on that. Yeah, just uh, going back to verse 14, I'll reread it again because at least on my end, I know that as Pastor Jimmy was reading, it was just very, very choppy, sounded like a robot. Um, there you go again. It's doing it again. Uh, starting at verse 14, it says, Write the following to the messenger of the congregation in Laodicea. For these are the words of the Amen. And now this is very important to understand. It says, these are the words of the Amen. So this is actually a name of Jesus, a name of God. And what that means, that Amen, it means final word. So when it's saying that these are words of the Amen, these are the words of the final word. These are the words of the final word. So when you say Amen, you know, when you close your prayer, what you're saying that that is the final word, that God has the final say in the prayer. So that, that's what that word Amen means. And that's actually, it's not just a word, but it is actually a name of God. So when you call him the Amen, you're calling him the finish uh, or the last word. The faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. Verse 15. I know all that you do, and I know that you are neither frozen in apathy, nor fervent in passion. How I wish you were one or the other. Uh, Another way to say this would be, I know that you are neither stubborn in rebellion 
or that you are not driven by passionate love for me, how I wish you were one or the other. But because you are neither cold nor hot, but lukewarm, I am about to spit you from my mouth. Another way you can say that, spit you from my mouth, is about to, I'm about to vomit you out of my mouth. And before you see that Jesus is about to is uh, vomiting you out of his mouth, it says, I am about to. So that's to give uh, hope is that, there's, is that there's time to repent because it says, I'm about. It doesn't mean that he is that he is in the moment spitting them out, but he's about to spit them from his mouth because they are lukewarm. For you claim, I'm rich and getting richer. I don't need a thing. Yet you are clueless that you're miserable, poor, blind, barren, and naked. So I counsel you. And I'm actually, uh, real quick, scripture that's, that Holy Spirit dropped in me was in 1 Timothy um, chapter... No, First Timothy chapter six, verse five, and it says, "I'm just going to be dropping down out of the Passion Translation as always." It says they equate the worship of God with making great sums of money. This is a this is something that this church is struggling with. Is that you know they had great sums of money and they were equating that with the worship of God, or that they, that's was their equation, or that's what their correlation is that we're doing good financially, so you know we're worshiping God, you know. Uh, because we're doing good. Well, that's not necessarily the case. And if you go down, it says we have profit that is greater than heirs, our holy awe of God. To have merely, uh, to have merely our necessities is to have enough. So, Paul's writing to Timothy right here, just real quick, just to explain is that there, uh, the false teachers that they that false teachers, you know, just like in today, you know, they're equating their their success by the amount of money they're equating their success by the size of the church and not by the actual spiritual the spirit behind their church so they're equating things on the the surface level but as we know throughout all the letters that jesus uh he grades us on a spiritual more deep level so that so just understand that it says uh so this is jesus speaking remember so i counsel you to purchase gold perfected by fire so that you can be truly rich purchase a white garment to cover and clothe your shameful Adam nakedness. Purchase eye salve to be placed over your eyes so that you can truly see. Now here, Jesus is giving them three things uh, to purchase. Now we know our God is triune, meaning that he's of three parts. And he works in threes. Uh, so, you know, our, 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 you know, us is made in three parts. You know, we're made of flesh, soul, and spirit. Um, the, the temple in the Old Testament was the outer court, inner court, and the Holy of Holies. And just so you can understand it for our for our body is that the outer court is our flesh, the inner court is our soul, and the holy of holies is our spirit. So just understand that, you know, where the priests were only allowed to go into a couple of times a year and they had to go through, you know, uh, I don't want to say rituals, but they had to go through a process to get into the holy of holies is that we have the holy of holies within us. So that's just very powerful to understand, to know. And the reason why we point that out is because, once again, our God is triune. You know, he works in threes, it's divine. So he's right here, Jesus is saying three things to be purchased. Gold perfected by fire so that you can be truly rich. Purchase a white garment to cover and clothe your shameful Adam nakedness and purchase eye salve to be placed over your eyes. Purchase gold perfected by fire is uh, would be very, that is Christ. He is the wealth of our, of our faith. Christ is the wealth of our faith. The white garment is what he is what Jesus did on Calvary when he when he shed his blood he he gave us new clothes you know uh you know um Adam in the in the first fall 
or in, in the fall of Adam, the first Adam, what happened was is that you know we were we became spiritually naked, or they, they were. Um, so what that means is that you know that they were once clothed in in God's glory, but now because of the fall, that that was uh, ripped away, stripped away for a moment. So right here it says to clothe your shameful out of nakedness. So the white garment would be the salvation and the eye salve to be placed over so you can truly see. Now eye salve when I was when I was looking into this, it, it's an ointment. It is literally like a, like an oil or an ointment, like a like think of Carmex. That's the easiest way for us to understand it today. It, it's like Carmex. So when you when you see that, so it has like a, you know we know Carmex has oils in it, and we know that. Uh, true oil is is symbolic of the holy spirit so in order to truly see we must have the we must have holy spirit have holy spirit rubbed into our eyes so that we, we can truly see because when we're um before we were saved we thought and we saw as carnal beings so you know with being a carnal being meaning that you know you just think fleshly that that's what happened but now through Jesus Christ is that now we, we can perceive. And he says in John in John 3 is that if you're if you're not um, born again, born of spirit, you can't perceive the kingdom of God. So understand that's very important to understand is that we have to be born again uh, and being born again is a is a whole transformation. And you can perceive into the spirit realm or you can perceive what's happening so that that's the Holy Spirit. What he does in us is that he a lot is that he opens our eyes is that he get, he gives us eye salve to be that he places over our eyes so we can truly see, see, they were seeing to a degree, but they weren't truly seeing all those. I dearly love ion mask and train. So repent and be eager to pursue what is right. All those I dearly love. I unmask and train or, uh, in other ways, they say it is rebuke and discipline. Unmasking and training, you know, when you unmask something, you know, you're, you're, you're peeling away the falseness of what was there. So Jesus is he's, he's looking at our falseness. So we're going to we're going to expound upon things later just so we can understand scripture. Uh, Jesus is pulling away the falseness of the church. He's pulling away the surface layer that which covered what was truly there. He he peels that layer away and then he trains us. That, you know we we you know it's very powerful it's very 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 powerful to understand that he does this because he loves us if he didn't love us he would never train us he would never show us what's really happening on the deep on the on the spirit side if he didn't love us you know it's like you know if you're a parent you know you would show your your kid why why doing certain things is isn't you know beneficial for them or or the relationships that they're in it's not beneficial for them so you unmask it and then you'll train them how to perceive and how to and how to walk in a, in a way that it, they they learn so that's what jesus does to us is that he says all those i dearly love i unmask and train so when jesus is unmasking us or he's he's taking things off of you know off uh we pulling out the mask you know it, it's not a bad thing it's it's a good thing it's, it shows that he loves and he cares for us and then he trains us and now our trainer is the holy spirit our trainer is the holy spirit he teaches us in the ways of uh, of god he teaches us you know uh the bible he teaches us scripture he reveals to us you know he shows us when we don't know something during uh, church or, or um, you know, just in our daily walk when we don't quite understand something, he explains it to us. He's so loving that he explains it to us. So, so Holy Spirit is involved in our daily lives. So Jesus, you know, and, um, 
you know, God is, is the father of lights and his light reveals everything that is hidden in darkness. So, you know, he reveals and then, but he also, he doesn't just reveal and just, he's just hanging there, you know, you know, uh, beaten dry over, over the, the revealing, but he reveals and he draws us closer into his heart. It's all for the purpose of getting us closer into his heart where every time he reveals something. So repent and be eager to pursue what is right. So repent and be eager. So that word eager. So, you know, when you're eager for something, you're, you're I don't want to say on edge, but you know, you're, you're expecting of something or you're, 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 um, moving towards something. So you're eager, uh, to pursue. So you're, you're having a joy in pursuing what is right. And what is right is the Bible. Behold, I'm standing at the door knocking. If you, if your heart is open to hear my voice and you open the door within, I will come into you and feast with you and you will feast with me. Now, this is a very, very quoted scripture um, in the Bible. You know, a lot of people know is that behold, I standing at the door uh, knocking. If your heart is open to my voice uh, and, you, and you open it, you know, I'll dine with you and you'll dine with me. A lot of people quote that scripture, but it's really interesting that a lot of people don't quote what just happened in Laodicea, but that's for another time. But right here, Jesus is saying, behold, I'm at the door knocking. If your heart is open. So first he says, if. So if your heart isn't open to hear his voice, he will not come and dine with us. So if your heart is open to hear my voice and understand when you're, um, you know, understand here, if you, when you're hearing his voice, you're also, you're not just, you know, hearing something in one ear and out the other. But you're also that it's it's an intent that you're going to act upon it. So it, it says it's open to hear my voice and you open the door within. Now, this is very interesting is that Jesus already said that if you if your heart is open. So what else could there be open if your heart is open? Now, heart in the Bible is also referenced sometimes to the soul. So if you're if you're willing, if you're already seeking and you open the door within. So within there's another level. There's another level within you. And it says, if you open the door within, I will come into you and feast with you and you will feast with me. And so the one who conquers, I will give the privilege of sitting with me on my throne. Just as I have conquered and sat down with my father on his throne, the one whose heart is open, let him listen carefully to what the spirit is now saying to the churches. Now, this is a, an amazing, very, very, I very, you know, just revelatory privilege is that. Jesus here says is that, hold on, my Bible flipped over. It says, and to the one who conquers, I will give the privilege of sitting with me on my throne. Understand, if you're the if, if we conquer this, is that Jesus gives us a, a place to sit on his throne. He will give us a place to sit on his throne. And it, it's in the Bible, it's in his word. And he in, you know, we know that God he, he doesn't lie. There is no lie in him, he is all truth. So if it's in if it's in his word, it is truth. And it says, I will give the privilege of sitting with me on my throne to the one who conquers just as I conquer. So now Jesus is making um, like a, like a I don't want to say contrast in a bad way, but I want to say, you know, like just look at how Jesus conquered the cross and how he how he sits with this father on his throne. So that, so Jesus is giving us this. um explanation for us to understand is that for us who conquers he will give us the privilege of sitting with them on his throne All right now i just want to go into a little bit uh talking about everything that just happened right now in laodicea and just 
like the practicalities of it really so laodicea as we just read it's uh lukewarm it's not necessarily fervent in passion and is not necessarily frozen in apathy that's very important to understand is because you know it because being lukewarm is probably the, the most dangerous place to be and it's exactly where the devil wants you is because if you're lukewarm you think you're doing everything right but in all in all actuality you aren't and jesus says he's about to spit you from his mouth and the thing about being lukewarm is that you think that you're on that you're on fire because you're going to church you know i've always believed that you can still serve in church you, you could be like a like a leader in church but you can still be lukewarm just because you're not passionate about what you do and this and you know once again we always pray holy spirit reveal this to us in our personal lives if this applies to me and and jesus says the one whose heart uh at the last last part of this verse it says the one whose heart is open let him listen carefully to what the spirit is not saying to the churches so the one whose heart is open so if your heart is open listen carefully to what the spirit is not saying to the churches so understand a uh, way we can write that we wrote that for us today is for you who are your if your heart is open let him listen carefully so you're not speaking you're asking and now you're listening to what the spirit is not saying to you so understand it when you ask this you cannot just ask and then just keep talking and keep talking we have to go from a monologue in our prayers into a dialogue meaning that now we're listening for god to speak back to us understand that you know he speaks to us through his word he speaks to us through that still small voice and he, he even speaks to us through other people around us and in the, the you know that environment that he, he can speak to us in many different ways so understand that is that when, when you're asking god to reveal that you know this in you is that you don't just ask and then you just start keeps rambling and rambling and rambling but that you ask and that you just take the actual intentional time of just sitting there and just waiting until until the response comes i mean it, it it's not easy just sitting in you know in your in your room in your prayer closet all by yourself just sitting there and just waiting but it's in the waiting where you will find your biggest breakthrough you have to you have to grow and then this isn't to be mean or anything just understand this is that you have to be able to just set aside a time where you're going to sit and you're going to pray and then you're just going to wait on the answer you're going to wait on the answer you know, the Bible says, you know, those who wait on the Lord, they shall renew their strength. So those who wait on the Lord, those who wait, not, not those who just speak, speak, speak. You know, they just make requests, 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 and then they leave. No, you got to You make your request and then you sit there and you wait. That, that's the very important thing. And also doing this, you're, you're working. And, and this is just a, a practical tip. It's just to sit there with a with a notepad and pen in hand or if you want you know, I, I, it's not that I don't recommend it. It's just that, you know, there's a lot of distractions, you know, your phone and the, and the notes apps. But like I said, you know, uh, having something where you don't have a lot of distractions. So I say, you know, notepad and a pen, just cause what, what else can you really do other than just write, you know, if you have your phone and you're on the notes app, you know, you get a text message or something happens, you get distracted very, very easily. That's why I say, you know, just keep it very, very, very basic. The more basic, the better, just because there's less distractions. So, you know, you make a request known to God and you sit there in the, in your prayer, in your prayer closet, in your secret place, and you just wait. And when you start to feel that impression, you, you just start to write what that impression is. And this is actually working. This is you exercising your prophetic gift because we all have the prophetic gift as first Corinthians 14 says, this is you exercising your prophetic gift that God plants within us. And this is you exercising it and, and, you know, sharpening it. So understand that that's just how we that's just uh um 
you know, a practical thing about, you know, just sitting there and waiting is that you're waiting for an answer. And when the answer comes, you just start writing, you know, what's spoken to you. Now we're going back into a little bit of, of impartation of Laodicea and speaking about this. It says that I know that you're in the uh, frozen apple with no fervent and passion. Once again, this is probably the scariest place to be because, uh, being lukewarm because you may think that you're doing all the right things, but in all reality, you're doing it out of a lukewarm place. You're doing it out of religion. You're doing it out of tradition, out of habit, and you're not doing it out of passion. So if you do, if you're moving in passion, you know if you're if you're walking, you know, uh, you know, being intentional with their passion, you know, this is this is why why we say, you know, is that yes, God is jealous for us. He is jealous for us. He loves us intensely, but so do we. It goes right back to him. Look at Songs of Solomon. The very last thing is, you know, is that the bride is pushing the bridegroom. We have to get into this place where we're actually pushing Jesus, saying. Uh, you know, we're pushing Jesus and we're fighting for him. We're warring for his affection. It's, not, it, you know, we have to grow up into a place where it's not just, you know, oh, just speak over me. But now we're actually speaking back to him, if that makes sense. You know, we're growing and understanding that, you know, it, it's our passion for him that will keep us away from uh, from ending up in, in, in a Laodicean type of atmosphere. And like I said, it's probably... The scariest place to be because you don't you don't know that you're in a leader scene atmosphere because you're going to church, you know, you're, you're on uh staff, you're on leadership team, you know, you're helping throughout the church uh in services or whatever. Uh, but you're you're lukewarm because you're not passionate about what you do. You're lukewarm because you know you're doing it out of tradition, or that's just what you did, or you're going to church just because that's what everybody else around you did. You know, that's how you grew up in your families, that you all went to church Sunday morning, and that was it. So now that's out of tradition. That's not out of actual passion for the bride. That's not out of passion for Jesus. So now you're just doing things out of tradition. Now you're lukewarm because you're not necessarily uh, frozen apathy because you obviously are going to church. So being frozen apathy would be rejecting God, but you're also not passionate or you're not you're not on fire with passion because you're not because you're not you're not in the place. You're not you know you're not low and or low enough. You're in, you're not in a place where it. it Everything you're doing isn't fueled from passion, but it's just fueled from tradition. That that's really the the key marker is is where is your fuel coming from? Uh, is your fuel coming from from uh, Jesus? Is your fuel coming from love for Him, or is your fuel coming from you know tradition? Is it is it coming from man? You know you don't want to you don't want to feel man, so that's just where the reason why you you're you're still attending, the reason why you're still serving. So so understand that you know. It's it's where are you getting the feel the fuel from? Where where's where's your passion coming from? Is it coming from and, and really just looking with yourself? You know, it's just am I doing this because of a man wanting to, or am I doing this because I love I love Jesus, I love God, and and you know I'm going to serve Him. I'm going to die to myself and then live for Him. Now another thing uh, about the Laodicean church is is that you know it. It, it may not be Sardis where it looks very lively, but it's actually dead. But it could still have traits, meaning this is that it, it could be very, it could look lively. But once again, the, the passion, the fuel to which is to where their their acts are coming from isn't isn't uh, built. It's not built from passion for Jesus. It's just built from tradition. And, you know, a lot of people were saying, you know, are speaking against, you know, later seeing people during this whole sickness thing, it's like, yeah, that's true. But then, uh, you know, and this is just probably, you know, delayed, but 
whatever you know is that you know later seeing people is that you know they're very uh wayward with their belief because they're not rooted in god they're rooted in the hand of god but they're not rooted in the heart of god and the thing about being rooted in the hand of god and not the heart of god is that um uh, being rooted in the hand of god means that you're rooted in what he's done for you and not just because of who he is if you're rooted in who he is and not because of what he does you will actually be black uh backslide proof you won't you won't be wavering in your faith because you know who he is is greater than is greater than what he can do and let me explain that a little bit because he doesn't always bless you with miracles he doesn't always bless you but he always loves you understand that so just so just and then it's probably you know just very controversial but you really have to understand is that god loves us and yes he does things because he loves us but you know he doesn't always he's not entitled he's not obligated to do things for us but he but he, there's an obligation to love us and it's not an obligation because he had no he loves us because he has to but he loves us because he loves us and he loves us because he loves us i i know if what i just said really doesn't make the most sense but just bear with me for a moment so i understand that if you're rooted in the in the heart of god and not the hand of god you won't be you won't have i don't want to say you don't have to worry about it but i'll say that you have a greater odds a greater chance of of overcoming and conquering being uh a, in laodicea if that makes sense so so you know where are you rooted are you rooted in the, in the heart of god are you rooted in the hand of god are you rooted in what he did for you five years now now remember he god can do a, a tremendous miracle uh five years ago and he hasn't done one since. Now, if you're if you're basing your relationship off of what he did five years ago and not because of who he is you would have you would have left but because you you base your relationship with him based off of who he is and not what he does, now you're you're, you're going to be propelled into your purpose. You're going to be pro you're going to be propelled into your pursuit of him. That nothing will come against you. So that's just very important to understand too. Is that where where is your where is your 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 fuel coming from? You know, are you getting it? Are you getting your your fuel from man? Are you getting your fuel from what God does? Are you get are you or are you getting your fuel? from who he is and just being with him. So that's very important. One thing that we do um, just to keep, you know, renewing ourselves on a daily because we can renew ourselves on a daily. Lamination says that his mercies are new every morning. So what does that mean? How can we apply that practically today to, to maintaining and keeping the flame is sitting in his presence. Now, once again, it's not the easiest thing to do because a lot of the time, a lot of times you'll be sitting there, uh, you know, sitting in his presence and praying and you'll get distracted, you know, maybe every five seconds, you know, something, you know, and it's not even always a bad thing. You know, you start thinking about, um, you know, the chair in front of you, you start thinking about, you know, what's on TV and it's not to say bad, you know, entirely bad things, but, you know, it's just these thoughts and second Corinthians chapter 10 tells us what to do. It says to take any thought that comes against the knowledge of Christ to take a captive, like a prisoner of war in which we do. And we war against these thoughts that come against God. But understand, this is how we how we on a daily refill this on a daily, how we refresh ourselves. This is how we on a daily encounter God is by sitting in his presence and not merely just going through the motions. A lot of people go through the motions and they end up very, very quickly like Laodicea, where they're attending church, but they're still warring within themselves. They're still warring with what's around them because of. Uh, so think of it like this, right? So you so. And I, I watch Gordon Ramsay, you know, I, I watch his stuff and he says, you know, you can't put 
hot food on a cold plate. And the reason why is because that food gets lukewarm a lot faster. You got to put hot food on a hot plate. So think of your body as a plate and the food that comes is God. So now it, so now if you're basing everything off of, of, you know, just, uh, you know, just natural. So natural meaning just, you know, room temp. So now if you're in a room temp situation and, and, you know, God's fire falls on you. So just the example, it's the plate and the food. So, you know, God's fire falls in you, which is the food, you know, that, that fire, that heat may remain there, but it won't last because the plate doesn't have already a built base of warmth of passion to maintain it and it gets cold. Now think of it if you if you come now understand that God's fire warms us up, but also understand that we have a part in playing that in uh, a part in it where we can maintain it. So if we come to God with a cold plate that you know his fire comes that it'll, it'll get very it'll get cold or it'll get lukewarm very very quickly. But if we come to him, you know, we're already warm, you know, we're warm. So we go into church, we're going to the, into the secret place. We're coming on fire. You know, we already have an expectancy. We have a passion. Now when his fire falls, it can, it can last, it can remain. So think of it like that, um, you know, within yourself is that, you know, is that whatever you bring, what, you know, the plate that you bring and when God's fire falls in it, that that'll determine the uh, longevity of a thing is, and it comes down to where, once again, where are you basing uh, your fuel from? Are you basing it from man, you know, from the, from the fuel of man? So understand. So the fuel of man comes from this. You do something in the church. Everybody knows, notices, everybody praises you. That'll be fuel from man. You get fuel from what God does to you. So this is, you know, you, uh, you know, God, God does a miracle for you. And now you're basing your relationship off of that, you know, that miracle. And now you're expecting that miracle, which it may have some, you know, duration, you know, but it, but it, it dies out. Or are you basing it off of actual passion and actual relationship with God? Now, once again, and this is something that we, that we call uh, frequently is called a revival high. And what that is, a revival high is that, you know, you go to a revival service, you get high off of that service, but you're not willing to maintain that, to maintain that atmosphere personally. So a lot of people, they get revival highs, but they don't have a revival lifestyle. So, and that's also a, a trademark. And the trademarker of, latest, of a latency in church, a latency in person, is that is that one moment they're on fire and the next, you know, they're not. And now um, just understand that a latency in person or even the church, a latency in church, Jesus wasn't addressing the saying that I have this against you, that you're frozen apathy. He never said that. He says that I wish you were either frozen apathy or fervent and passion. That, that's one of the things he says. I wish you were frozen in apathy. He wishes that you're frozen because if you're frozen in apathy, he could come in like the, you know, he is the all consuming fire and he can consume that ice block that you are and, and melt you, you know, it's a say. But because you are not, you know, he would rather you be either frozen in apathy or fervent in passion. But because you are neither, he would, he says, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth or vomit you out of my mouth. And what that would mean, you know, when you vomit something, it means that you're, that you're sick or it means that you're trying to get something out of you before it makes you sick. So, it, so like think of it, um, if, if, if you're lactose intolerant or if you have an allergy to something and you take it accidentally, you accidentally ingest something in order to get that out of your system very quickly, the doctors will do this. They'll, they'll vomit you. They'll make you vomit. All right, just think of it. Uh, yeah, just keep on all that. So the doctor will vomit you to get whatever w that was ingested out of you very quickly. So understand that Jesus, you that in order before you can, and understand we don't poison him, but in order before you can, you know, 
the taste starts to set in. He 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 vomits him. He makes himself vomit, and you come out of his mouth. If that makes sense, is that you're is that you're disgusting? Is that okay? A lot of people are going to start getting like you know offended, but understand in the context of what Scripture just said. It says, "I am about to spit you from mouth because you're neither uh, fervent in passion nor frozen in apathy." I'm not talking to I to I to either side of the spectrum. I'm talking to the ones in the middle, the the people of Laodicea. It says that I'm about to vomit you on my mouth. You're making me sick. I have to throw you up before I become sick. So Jesus literally says, "I have to throw you up because you are you are sickening." And then that's just like this a, a very harsh a very scary reality but that that's just that's just what it be sometimes now um once again just a couple of trademarkers and identifiers just for laodicea is that you know this may be someone who uh attends church but you know they, they don't live a church lifestyle so you know we, we all know somebody like this who goes to church but you know uh, su uh saturday night you see them at the you know they'll be at the club or you know they'll be at the at the grocery store i've seen pastors at the go or pastors you know churchgoers at the grocery store getting alcohol and i'm just confused i was actually going to start something because you know that that really just made me irate but you know i'm just i really just i tr i'm trying to bridle my tongue as much as i can you know just work on that and, and just not really start a whole lot of things but sometimes you, you have to uh but i've seen you know christians you go go they go to the to the grocery store and they'll buy alcohol you know, th these are people that pervert scripture. You know, you can actually say that for the church related sees that they pervert scripture. Um, you know, they say, well, and th this is a, a theology or an ideology in Christianity is called Calvinism. It's, it's a belief that, you know, once saved, it, and very to the extreme, it is the once saved, always saved. It's that God pre predetermines whom he will save and whom he will, you know, send to hell. And basically, one of, one of the facets of Calvinism is that if, if God elects you to be saved, no matter what you do, you'll always end up saved. A lot of people take that that ideology, they take it to an, they take it to a level and, and even an extreme, and they just live life like hell because they know and, and they're really rooted in the sovereignty of God, which is amazing. You know, it's just admirable. But you know, they're perverting the grace of God nonetheless. Is that you know they so. You know, and, and that ideology of Calvinism is, as I say, before you will die, you no matter what happens in your life, you always come back to Christ. So they'll take that and say, okay, so if I'm an, an elect, you know, I can live a lifestyle drinking, doing all these other things. Uh, and it doesn't matter because no matter what happens, I'm going to come back to God and I'm going to be forgiven. So they take the grace of God and they pervert it. That's why I really don't, I do not agree with that, that theology at all, just because it, you very easily, you can start taking these things and just start perverting it. And you can do that with all theologies and everything, but just for the sake of this argument, that very well is what you could do with Calvinism. Um, so, so they take these to the extreme and they just start, and you know, they just pervert the grace of God. And you know, once again, it, it's the external that, 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 so think of your body. And I know I'm kind of like contradicting myself, but I want you to think of it like this, just so it's very simple to understand is that you're blanks. I don't want to say blank state because, you know, we're all, we were once sinners. Okay, so we were once sinners, so we were once frozen in apathy. God's fire came and and over and overwhelmed us. It, he consumed us entirely. Now, so we have the fire of God on us. Now, there's the ice of the world that's coming. Now, now if you're thinking, you know, realistically, is that, I, is that ice cannot stand against fire? But understand the spiritual realm does not work like the like the earthly realm. So you have to think, so you have to get out of that mindset of what's of the, of, 
earth and get into the spirit. That's what Jesus was talking about, is that you cannot perceive spiritual matters because you are not born again. So I understand that in order to understand what, what is being said right now is that you have to get out of a carnal mindset. You have to get out of fleshy thinking and perceive it at a spiritual level. So God's fire came and, and consumed you. Now you're on fire. Now you have the enemy, who, which is ice, you know, coming and throwing ice at you. And now it may not automatically, uh, and, and once that starts to set in as an ice and such as you start to receive it and accept it now you start becoming less warm and you start becoming lukewarm because you're accepting that ice uh, while rejecting the fire of god or you take the fire of god one day but the rest of the time the rest of the week you'll be taking the, the ice of the enemy so and you very well can see how quickly you can become lukewarm it happens i remember and, and once again how we keep ourselves on fire is that if, if you're getting all your fire from church, you, you're getting you're you're doing uh very bad at getting fire because church at law at the most part is about maybe like two hours long. So out of, so in the I did the I did the math, a whole a whole week's worth of hours is 168. So out of that 168 hours, only only two hours is going to church. Now, if you if you're living all your fire off of two hours of church, that is a lot to try and live off of by. Now think of it if you now uh because uh, you know people are going to be legalistic and they're going to start you know whatever but understand this is that if, if you're getting you know two hours every day you're going to start outweighing your worldly hours now you you're going to have to start taking into account all these other little hours you know the sleep the eat you know work whatever 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 but understand you cannot live your entire week off a two-hour christianity and expect that to get you through the week you have to be getting you know you know whatever god leads you to it say god says i need you to be in prayer for eight hours a day then it's eight hours a day god says i need you to be in prayer for an hour a day it's an hour a day whatever the time that god tells you that he needs you in prayer he needs you in his word is is what he spoke to you now if you're living your life off of two hour christianity on sunday morning and maybe an hour on wednesday night so three hours in total you're not going to be really uh thriving you're going to be surviving and we're not built to survive we're built to thrive uh, when God created Adam and Eve, he didn't say go and thrive in the land, but go and have dominion over the land, go and subdue everything that is in the land. We are a people of dominion, meaning that we that we that we take the reins and we lead the charge. We don't thrive and we don't survive, but we but we uh right, we, we don't survive, but we thrive. Sorry, I, I got my words mixed up. You know, God didn't tell him, you know, go survive in this land, you know. God didn't say go um go and you know struggle for your food but go and have dominion over everything god gave us dominion I understand that his dominion he embedded into us his authority he embedded into us and now we walk in that we don't we don't survive but we thrive in our environments when pressure is applied we overcome the pressures so we're not built to survive but we're built to thrive and and you got to understand that uh in terms of of ourselves is that in order to for us to thrive and especially in the world today where there's a lot of pressures a lot of distractions a lot of temptations a lot of things that would set you off in order to thrive in this environment you have to be connected to the life source if you're not connected to the life source you will you will be uh surviving at best you know more than likely you'll probably lose your faith because uh, you'll start seeing everything around you and because you're not rooted in God and you're rooted in man or you're rooted in what God did and you're not rooted in who he is, you can very well, very possibly, very likely lose your faith because, or, or I don't say lose it, I would say surrender your faith. You can very well surrender, surrender your faith because of the pressure you just got too hard for you. Now, remember, we thrive 
because we are connected to the life source. If we are connected to the life source, which is God, if we are connected to him, he will give us life and he will give us strength to run the race. And he will give us strength to 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 stay uh, or the endurance on the race. I'm sorry. That's very important to understand. But if you're not connected to him, you're not tapping into his life source. And now you're just trying to survive off of what you can bring and understand that if you're not if you're if you're um trying to trying to resist the devil on, on your own strength, you're not going to succeed. But James says that if you submit to God and resist the devil, he will have to flee from you. That that comes first that you submit to God. So you're submitting your life to God. You're you're taking in his life source. And once you've submitted to God and you resist the devil, he has to flee from you. See, you can't resist the devil on your own strength because you have no real strength against the enemy. Now, uh, let me let me explain this this way. Because uh your flesh lusts against the spirit, and when your spirit is strengthened by being connected to the spirit of God, it overcomes the lust of the flesh. But if you're not if you're not feeding your spirit and you're feeding your flesh, your flesh is going to overpower your spirit, and it's not because that the flesh is stronger than the spirit, but it's because you're it, you're giving it more access, you're giving it more authority than it than it has. You know, we actually can take in control of our flesh. You know, we have control over our flesh. So uh, understand that. Um, uh, Laodicea, in, in context of Laodicea, is that these are people that live on the that that live in their flesh one day, and they may live in the spirit one day. They live in the flesh. Uh, you know, throughout the, you know, they're they're just in and out. They're they're, they're not they're not um steady either cold or they're not steady hot. You know, they're, they're cold one day and they're hot the next. You know, you, you can't really tell these people, you know, if they're going to be uh, on fire for God, or if they're going to be living like hell. You can never tell with these people because they go off of their feelings. So how to be uh, Laodicean proof, we just talked about this a little bit earlier, is that if you're rooted in in who God is and in his love for you, that'll that'll give you a passion. That'll be your, and you make that your fuel for everything that you do. Second Timothy, it actually says make, Jesus, your your passion for ministry. So make Jesus the reason why you do ministry. If Jesus isn't the reason you're that you're doing ministry or just doing anything, then you're very, very, very quickly going to fall away. Now the understand later in church is that Jesus wasn't their fuel for what they were doing. You know, they may have been doing it for man. They may have been doing it out of tradition, out of religion. They may have just been doing it, you know, even just they're wicked people, you know, and wicked people, they may just say, oh no. That's that's not accurate, but understand that. It, and it, it's very important. It's just where are you getting your fuel? Where are you getting your substance from? Are you getting it from man? Are you getting it from the hand of God? Or are you getting it from the heart of God? If you're getting it from the heart of God, you will actually be Laodicean proof. You'll be backside proof because you're not rooted in man, which will fail you. You know, man is man. You know, man is fickle. You know, they'll they'll gas you up one day and the next day they'll tear you down. One day they're talking about how you're an amazing preacher, and the next day that they're telling you that you that you're um, too lazy, or or you're just too mundane, you're too monotone. They'll be talking, they'll be just you know bashing you down. That's why you're not rooted in man. You're not rooted in the hand of God. It's not it's not that we're rejecting God's ministry of miracles, but it's understanding that God doesn't always uh, perform miracles. Every I mean He does, and understand it this way is that you know 
being rude in the hand of God is conditional that if God doesn't do a miracle, I don't love him. That That's the issue with it is that it's a conditional love and it's not an unconditional love because it's unconditional saying that God, if you don't do a miracle, I'm not going to serve you. And that, that's very, that's a very toxic trait. That's very bad. That's a very, that's a bad will that you, that you're pulling from. But if you're pulling from the will of God, I love you and I'm going to worship you and I'm going to serve you simply because of who you are. That will be your fuel for ministry and that'll drive you into your destiny and purpose. So I understand that that's the main driving force in what we do. It's not man and it's not necessarily the miracles, the, the hand of God, but it's the heart of God. It's who he is. That'll give us passion. That'll give us force. That'll propel us into our into our destiny. Um, another thing about Laodicea, I'm not saying like, what else could there be? What Jesus was saying was that I solve, was that I solve is very important. Is that I solve is because when, when Holy Spirit anoints your eyes, so now, so understand it this way as when Holy Spirit is when you're, when you're living under the Spirit of God, when you're allowing Him to lead you, that I solve, you'll be able to truly see because there, you know, there'll be people in your life that they look legit you know and that's how the demonic works the demonic doesn't come you know uh you know the 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 demonic you know the the demons they don't come at you immediately bashing you they don't that, that's not how they work because they know that if if they come at you aggressive you're going to reject them but if the demonic is trying to infiltrate a church they're not going to come in aggressive they're going to come in very subtle and what what flesh what your natural eyes see is not what your spiritual eyes see so if you're relying on your natural eyes and you're looking at a person, you're saying, hey, they're very good. We could use them. And, and that's what you're basing it off of. You can you're you're opening the gateway for a demonic activity to come in to come into um, your church. Now, I want to say this is very, very intriguing. You know, as we said, uh, the 31st of October is a very active night for the demonic. The reason is because there's so many portals being opened into the spiritual realm. Uh, and that's a whole nother topic, but understand when you're engaging in these things in certain in, in traits, you know, like listening to worldly music, you open a gateway in the spirit realm for demons to come and infiltrate you. That's why, you know, when you listen to worldly music, you know, you find you find a lot of people are more leaning into, you know, in living immoral lifestyles as a uh, well, that's just a no dub, but you really have to understand is that when is that when you uh play games, when you watch movies, uh listen to music. You know that, that is inspired by demons. You open the gateway for that demon, and those demons they come, they will, they can come with friends, and, and you're opening a spiritual portal for them to come in. And if you don't close that portal, you're actually leaving it wide open. And now the demonic is having an in and out relationship with with this with this situation, and they're just coming in and out. So it's very important to understand because uh, and the reason how we got here uh, was because of you know you seeing with their natural eyes someone being good. But you're not weighing the spirit behind the person's motive is and remember god god is the searcher of the heart he knows the motives of man so if you're curious about somebody you know you know somebody comes up to your church and you and you never know them they all of a sudden they want to start you know helping ministries like okay why do i want to help in ministry you know what's your reason for helping in ministry and now that you're probing at these questions uh you know and you and you start praying and you fast for it you know and god reveals it to you now you'll be able to avoid a lot of heartache you'll be able to avoid a lot of headache you'll be able to avoid a lot of financial issues because you were prepared and you weren't just accepting anybody you know you're opening and and for the church of Laodicea, how this applies is that you get is that you open the door you open the gateway in certain things so movies you say there's nothing wrong with a movie because it's just a movie but the fact of the matter is that it's not just a movie it's a portal in the spiritual realm and when you and when you open that portal and you 
in, in the spiritual realm and demons are and they don't always walk through but they very well can and it's and it's, it's the idea that if i watch something and demons can start infiltrating i'm gonna close that gate i'm not gonna let it be open i'm not gonna even get near that gate for it to open but i understand is that that gate is is, is you know it's like the door of your house if that door is closed they can't come in through the door. Now, that's a whole nother tangent, but understand if that door's closed, nothing's getting in. But once that door is open, you know, things can come in and out. And it's until you close that door that nothing can come back in. So understand and, uh, for the church later to see is that they may have opened a gate somewhere where they're allowing, you know, something to come in that wasn't entirely from the spirit of God. And now because they allowed that thing to come in, now little by little, the demonic will start, um, you know, planting seeds of discord. The demonic will start planting seeds of lust the demonic will start planting seeds of anger, demonic seeds of, of, of um, curses or whatever it is that the, that the demonic seed is, is sowing. And now that, that those seed, and so that door is open and now, and now uh, you're starting to become more lukewarm. That's how, that's how it happens is that, you know, these little gates are these not little, but these gates are open and now, and now the demonic is starting to come in. But, and remember, they don't always come in. They can, but they don't always come in, you know, gung ho. And once again, the reason is, is that if you're, if you're, if you go to church, you know, the Bible, you love God, you're, you're immediately going to recognize that, you know, that when something's happening, because you just have God within you and you, and you know, the Bible, the Bible explicitly says, you know, do not commit adultery. Not for some people who read the Bible, they may not entirely take that as fact, you know, Lord have mercy on them. But for you who does know that that's fact that, that God can, uh, he's, he, uh, damns adultery. You know, it's it's in the it's in the Ten Commandments that it's it's immoral to commit adultery. And you know, if you're married and and someone comes up to you in a very lustful way, you'll be able to immediately identify and say, "Wait, no, that's demonic," and you and you brush off the the demonic knows this, so they'll come at you very gently and they'll start, you know, maybe just start off friendly. Uh, and and this isn't a reason to be suspicious, you know, of husbands wives. You know, this isn't to be you know overly suspicious, but you know, be accountable for what you do, obviously. Um, and just explaining is that you know the demonic will come and subtly says you know so you get a text message from somebody and you know, and it starts you know very little by little by little and you end up in in the harlot's bed and, and you know on your way to hell so understand that that the demonic doesn't come in immediately gung-ho but the demonic comes in very subtly starts sowing these little seeds and you know uh this is how you find and okay so just for ourselves today you know the demonic the, the the demonic knows is that if it can keep you on your TV and off your Bible, it has accomplished its mission. One of the main missions of the demonic is to keep you away from God. That's one of the missions is to keep. And, and I know Paul says that nothing can keep us away from God. And, and that's true. That is true. But understand it's it's um that you're distracted. So the demonic knows that if it can keep you distracted in TV and movies and video games, the demonic knows that if it can keep you distracted and not focused in God, it has done one of its primary missions of the Christians is to keep them distracted and not pursuing God. That's one of the things. That's how you get the church to see is because the demonic comes and they start distracting the believers. Um, yeah. And yeah, I know it's probably a lot to digest. Um, no, it's, Laodicea, I mean, we can still go on and on about Laodicea. Uh, one of the main things, once again, another big takeaway, just remember, is that we keep our passion, we keep our fuel by remaining, it, our, by basing it off of the heart of God, not the hand of God and not the and not the praises of man. You know, we base it in the heart of God. Um, another thing is that God wants to speak to us daily. 
one way that we do this and you know once again you know praying that god reveal you know reveal this within us is to get in your secret place and set aside time you know set aside a time where you're going to say you know i'm not going to let anything come against this moment but i am going to just sit here at the at at, at the presence at the feet of god i'm gonna sit here i'm just gonna wait and if that's 30 minutes for you if that's an hour if that's 10 minutes i don't want to be legalistic but you know be be honest with yourself you know about the time that god leads you to you know be honest about it don't just say oh god led me to be in the secret place for three minutes you know uh every two days i mean that's that's probably more than likely not accurate um but yeah just don't be legalistic about things you know be honest uh you know god wants to encounter us daily and you know it's in that place it's in the secret place that fuels what you do if you're not in the secret place, you don't have any fuel. That's just the reality of it. So, you know, the more that you're in the secret place, the more fuel that you'll be tapping into because you're tapping into the into the life source, which is God. And, uh, um, I'm issues. I think what we can do is, is kind of uh, close the. Uh, round up so the, the breakdown of the churches. I wish I had the graph for you. I'm, I'm on the computer. Um, but I'm just going to basically uh, walk through with you on this one. Um, so we talked over the, the Church of Ephesus in Chapter 2, St. Pegamos, uh, Theatira, uh, in Chapter 3, Stardust, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. So in all the different churches, there was basically a formula, and, and it didn't apply to all of them, but it, it, it does have um, connections where God gave the church praise, and then he gave them a criticism, and then he says, there was, here's a command, and then he said, here's the promise. So we're gonna, I'm going to kind of go over those with you um, real quick. I really wish I could show you that. I'll probably end up posting um, a graphic of, of what it was, but... Um, in, in, in the church of Ephesus, the church of Ephesus had uh, their praise was they rejects, uh, they how they reject sin and evil and stay stays fast in the word of the Lord. Their criticism was that they, they no longer are enthusiastic for Christ. And there's a lot of churches that are like that where they're, they reject sin and they say all these things are bad, but yet they no longer are enthusiastic, kind of like how uh, Laodicea was um, half in, half out uh, kind of thing. Uh, so... I mean, my, Michael was hitting it right on the head where there's so many these churches where, where they're on fire, but the devil wants to come in and throw ice and, and melt you uh, and knock you down. Um, right here is they're no longer enthusiastic. So God's command to them was return to the world. I believe we lost you. Right. So we just lost Pastor Jeremy. Um, I'm going to go through. I don't have the same formula that he has um in the way of it but i'm just going to brief uh you know i don't have the formula that he has but what i think he was saying uh was the has against and then the commendation so the, the condemnation the commendation so the, the bad and the good basically uh for ephesus i says i know that all that you've done for me you've worked hard and persevered so you have the works but you've fallen from your first love uh and the call to action was repent and do the work, do the works of love you did at first. Uh, in Smyrna, um, right here, I believe if I'm I'm reading this right, yeah, 
is that they didn't have, oh, no, no. I'm aware of all the painful difficulties you passed through and hardships, you know, you, you uh, possess rich treasures. Now, Smyrna, along with uh, Philadelphia, they didn't, they didn't have necessarily something wrong with them, but Jesus was commending them. He was giving them good. He says that, I'm fully aware of the slander that's come against you. He's fully aware of it. And he says, uh, for 10 days, you'll have distress, but remain faithful to day day, and I'll give you the victor's crown of life. And this is a call to action is this to the ones whose heart is open. Let them listen carefully to what the spirit is presently saying to all the churches. Uh, the church in Pergamum. Uh, it says this is what Jesus has against him. It says, uh, I know where you live, where Satan sits enthroned, and yet you still cling faithfully to the power of my name. So this is what he says. Good. Yet you still cling faithfully to the power of my name. You did not deny me uh, your faith in me, even in the days of my faithful martyr. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. One that he had was that they were um, taking in of the world, that they were holding to the teachings of Balaam, who taught ba uh, Balak uh, to entice the Israelites to eat things that were sacrificed to idols and commit idolatry or sexual uh, immorality. Uh, furthermore, they held to the doctrines of the Nicolaitans and it says, so repent or I will come. And this is Jesus saying, uh, repent or I'll come quickly uh, to war against you with the sword of my mouth. Uh, the church of Thyatira or Theatira. It says uh, this is what Jesus, ha uh, he, he commends them for. He says, I know all that you've done for me. You love faith, your ministry, and your perseverance. And in fact, you now excel in these virtues even more than the first. But he has this against them, that they were forgiving the that woman Jezebel. Uh, so the woman Jezebel in the, in the, the Jezebel spirit who calls herself a, prophet, a prophetess and is seducing my loving servants. And this is Jesus' call to action is... Um, now lay her low if they do not repent. So repent. Uh, and I will strike her, strike down her followers with a deadly plague. Then all the congregation that realize that I am the one who thoroughly searches the most secret and innermost being. I will give to each one what their works deserve. Uh, cling tightly to all that you have until I appear to everyone who is victorious. So this is what Jesus is saying in the call to action that if you if you overcome this, what this is what you will receive as an actual gift. Now remember when he's saying this is it's you're actually going to receive this. So he's not just saying this, just say this, but you'll actually receive it. To everyone who is victorious and continues to do my works to the very end, I will give you authority over the nations. I will give you authority over the nations to shepherd them. And that's just, a, that's powerful over the nations. You know, that's why as, as churches that, that we, that we very well do and very well can influence uh, the nations, you know, um, that we influence the nations with our prayers. Uh, to rule them with the with the royal scepter, and the rebellious will be shattered as clay pots. Sorry, I got tongue tied. Uh, even as also I received authority from the presence of my father. So Jesus was saying is saying where he's received authority from the presence of the father. I will give them morning star. So when he experiences victory, so the ones whose heart is on lead and here listen to it, the spirit is present saying to all the churches. Now the church in Sardis, and this is the one that we briefly, briefly talked about um, tonight. It says that, you know, I know I know all that you do. I know all your works, but you have a reputation for being alive, but you're actually dead. Um, and, and if you're wondering about that more, we talked about it uh, last week or two weeks ago. Wake up and strengthen all that remains before it dies, for I haven't found your works to be perfect. And this is the, the, the commendation or the good that Jesus was saying, yet there are still a few in Sardis who have remained pure. And they will walk with fellowship in me in brilliant light, 
for they are worthy. And the one who experiences victory will be dressed in white robes, and I will never, no, never erase your name from the book of life. I will acknowledge your name before my Father and his angels. So the one whose heart is open, let him listen carefully to what the Spirit is not pressing saying to all the churches. Now, Philadelphia, once again, this is along with, um, that's already the one we just talked about not too long ago. Uh, Pergamum, no, Smyrna, where Jesus has all commendations for them. So Jesus here, he has nothing against the church of Philadelphia, and he actually just has uh, all commendations. He, or he commends them. That's all he has for this church is that says, uh, I know that you all have done. I set before you a wide door that no man can shut. For I know that you possess only a little power, yet you still kept my word and haven't denied my name. Watch how I deal with those uh, for their lying, and I will make them come and bow down your feet and acknowledge how much I've loved you because you've passionately kept my message of perseverance. I will also keep you from the hour of proving that it's to come to test the world. The church of Laodicea, uh, which we just read tonight, is I know that you do, and that you're neither uh, frozen apathy nor fervent passion. I wish you one the other. So right here uh, in this one, they, they didn't have nothing good about them. Jesus is all at against them was that they were neither fervent in passion nor, nor frozen in apathy. As we just read, so the one who overcomes, Jesus will come down with us and he, and we will dine with him. And to one who conquers, he will give the privilege of sitting with him on his throne. That was just a wrap up and just a really rebrief um, the churches, the letters. Now, remember, this isn't just for us to talk about it and for you just to sit there. Now, that's part of it. But also another aspect and the other facet of it is that you would go in and you would read this uh, for yourself and that you would ask Holy, that you would ask Holy Spirit to illuminate the scripture for your for yourself you know that that's applic that's applying what you've read or what, what, what we just read you know obviously there'll be things that that stay together just because our god is not the author of confusion and he will speak this if, if it's the same thing he would see it say it to you he may just say it in a different way where you can understand it and it better and it impacts you and just remember that you know that god speaks to us through his word and when we get into it he is faithful and he will meet us uh in the secret place as matthew chapter 6 says that uh jesus was saying uh go pray in secret uh where, where the father is and where he sees you in secret so it's just very very important is that you know that we're not alone in the secret place but that god is with us in the secret place um and that he'll be uh you know with us and that his holy spirit would be illuminating and teaching us scripture as we just sit under the scripture amen uh, before we do close or, you know, just call it a night, uh, we're obviously going to close. Um, and then we're just, yeah. So father God, right now we pray and we thank you for this time that you had gave us all, uh, to come for those who joined and for those who are going to listen. Father, we thank you for every heart that is listening and we pray and we come into agreement and we say that father, that you would, that this word, it would sit deep within us and that it would begin to take root. And Father, we pray and we thank you that as we go into our secret place, that you are going to meet us there and that you are going to reveal things to us as we sit at your feet and accept and, and receive your instruction and we receive your revelation. So Father, right now in this moment, we ask for your Holy Spirit to be released that would pull us closer to your heart. That would pull us closer to your heart and would strengthen us 
And Father, we pray that you would have your way in the time, in the moments that we set aside to be with you. Father, I pray for a divine cloak to be wrapped around us as we're in the secret place where we will not be so easily distracted or led astray, but that we will be tunnel vision into you and that we'll be focused on you. And Father, we pray for all those as they as they uh, exit from the live stream, as they exit from the Spotify or the or the the software. That Father, that wherever they go after, that you would bless them and that you would release angels. And we and we agree in the in the release of angels over every person who listens. And Father, we thank you for all that you've done. We thank you that you love us, that you love us greater than we can even understand. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, for all those who uh, aren't currently aware or, you know, just a, a reminder is that we do have our row services Wednesday at 7 p.m. Uh, our row services is a night of worship and of intercessory prayer for those who are wondering. Uh, it's always amazing. It's impactful. It is uh, deep fire. Uh, just, you know, just join us. Uh, via the live stream or, or in person, you know, and if you're wondering, um, you know, churches go through a, a process of cleaning. Um, masks aren't mandated, but they are, um, they're not mandated, but you wear them at your discretion and you sit at your discretion and do everything at your discretion. Um, once again, that is this Wednesday at 7 p.m. That's our row service, our, our worship and our intercessory prayer. Uh, we thank you guys for joining us this Monday night. For our Bible study, we hope to see you again next week, uh, Monday night, same time, 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, and then Sunday morning uh, at 10 a.m. Mountain Standard Time as well. Thank you for joining the Crossway Church Sermons Podcast. If you are blessed by this message and would like to donate to our ministry, visit our website, www.crosswayaz.com, and click Give.